0: You're listening to the PT Profit Podcast, episode number 20. Today, I'm talking with my friend Candace Smith all about how to create building muscle buy-in from your female clients. So stay tuned. <laughs> so much for joining me here for another episode of the PT profit podcast I'm your host Beverly Simpson and today I'm sitting down with a really good friend of mine Candace Smith and we're talking of all about how we can create the building muscle buy-in from our clients but before we get started and dive into this episode real quick if you haven't already be sure to check out the show notes and join me inside my five free day pt profit challenge inside this challenge i will walk you through a powerful method all about how to generate your first one to five high paying clients using your social media content so if you are someone who is smart and struggling to create content that sells your products without Feeling those sleazy sales selling tactics, and you really just want to connect with your ideal clients and start generating the revenue for your business that you deserve, then be sure, if you haven't already, to join me inside this free five day challenge. It's going to be fun, and I can't wait to see you inside. So, without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and roll this interview. We talked all about how we can create building muscles for our female clients, how we can create that buy-in because so many women are still struggling with feeling like, I don't wanna be bulky and I don't wanna strength train. And so we talked all about how we can work away, get away from the current fat loss goals, those 365 fat loss goals, how we can actually get our clients on board with string training, especially if they're nervous. Plus, Candy shared a little bit about her life on the road, which was really fun. And it was just a really laid back, fun conversation. And I'm excited for you to hear it. All right, without further ado, let's roll that interview. Hi, Candice. Thanks so much for joining me on this show today. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. How are you today? I'm great. I'm really pumped for this podcast episode today. This is going to be so great. People are going to love it. Yeah. (laughs) Let's just go ahead and dive right in. Can you share a little bit about who you are, who you serve, who you help? Mm -hmm. You got there. All right. All right. Hey, y'all. So I'm Candice Smith
1: and I'm an online strength coach. I've been in the online space and virtually training people, training women specifically. A lot of women come to me, to, of course, drop body fat and get strong, but we move more. I try to get them more moved more towards not always chasing fat loss and to spend some time in eating more food or even if we're approaching fat loss, we don't have to drastically cut the calories to poverty macros like a lot, a lot of women tend to do. So a lot of women come to me under underfed and over-exercise, and doing the most, and I'm like, it does not take that much, you know, take that much to get to where you're doing too much, so um, my background a little bit, it comes from um, extremism as well, so I can speak to my clients. Um, I actually, my, my journey started um, with being a Turned into veganism. <laughs> not veganism, vegetarian. Vegetarian. Sorry. <laughs> I just wrote a blog post talk or an email talking about both. So <laughs> they kind of almost go interchangeable. But um <laughs> vegetarian and running. And um I thought that was the way. Of course, most women think running is the way to go. Nothing wrong with running, but I was not good at it, even after doing it for a long time. I didn't really enjoy it, but I thought that's what. Um, and that's what I needed to do to you know get healthy get fit or whatnot and not eat meat and I love meat (laughs) so you know Um, so from there um, I finally hung that up and I dabbled a little bit in weights in college I think um, Beverly read that at Western Michigan I started dabbling a little bit uh, when I got into college and but I didn't take it serious it wasn't until like early 2000s and I probably date myself but whatever (laughs) um I got serious about um lifting and eating properly not underfeeding myself but eating more um whole foods and incorporating meat back in and training with weights and boom so I was doing great in in that Area Once I got used to and teach myself how to weight train and reading and educating myself, but then I got into physique competitions. And that uh, was a whole nother um, extremism and between that doing various diets and getting a little bit of body dysphoria and, um, you know, having a, um, I don't know if I say it's a piss poor relationship with um, food, a little bit of disordered eating for several years and then I had to hang up the um competing because it just wasn't um serving me anymore um and I actually eventually got with a coach that done it right and but it was time to hang up the clear heels as like you know those clear looking <laughs> stripper-, <laughs> yeah. stripper heels that's what a lot of people know them of <laughs>
0: okay two quick questions for you one yeah yeah what caused you to go into competing? And were you training people at the time? Um, I wasn't training people yet.
1: That this was pre, or was I? No. Two, I started my personal training business in two thousand nine. Yes, I was still competing to that time. So yes, I was competing, but just lifestyle clients, um, not uh, competition clients. Um, and I went into it because like, I I, I love the art. I love muscle. And I love the dedication and I'm disciplined in that way to be in the gym, to build muscle, to be eating the, you know, eating, eating the food. Um, And I like admire the, the the discipline of it, the showism of it. Um, It was fun to camaraderie with my girlfriends and different things. Um, So that's what kind of led me to it.
0: Mm-hmm. I think what a lot of people miss when they're thinking about body competitions is that they get into this idea that oh that's a job for looks that you need you know people are doing that because they want to look a certain way, not recognizing that it's actually a sport and it's ba- and, and it requires a a sport like training mm-hmm. and eating yes it's Yep. intense yes it, it is based and it's not just about you know I I I think maybe some people get pulled into it because of the aesthetics but it is a performance-based competition or Mm performance yes it is yeah it certainly is so you're training or you started training some you started training people while you were in this world
1: yes yep yep absolutely yeah just uh,
0: that experience like
1: <laughs> well I used to well first before I went full-time into the gym I was doing like a nine-to-five so I would train some clients in the evening um it, it, it was very demanding <laughs> to say because once you in prep for a show it can be uh you know it's long days you're training well I was in training the optimal way back then um there's a good side and a bad side of competing and at the time I was with the extreme coach and um so I was in the gym a lot trying to do my clients and and work and all that stuff but um towards the end of my um competing years I did four years three to four years um it's been a while now been like two back years ago but um I um towards the end of it, I got more balanced, a coach that fed me well, Um, so (laughs) that matters, you know, when you're busy, and you're on your feet all day, and whatnot, and then by that time, towards the end of my competing career, for to call, that I um, was in the gym, so I didn't have, you know, doing office work, and going to the gym, so it was better, better managed overall, so,
0: (laughs) memories, (laughs) I'm wondering, I know memories, I'm really pulling you down memory lane. I'm curious, you know, what was the experience like of training clients who are working on lifestyle goals, right? And here you are in this extreme world and you're trying to get people to like, you know, just maybe cut out your soda intake, right? And you're Mm -hmm. in this extreme world trying to coach a more lifestyle approach. What was that experience like? Was it challenging? Is that what pulled you out of, rec- Was is that what helped you recognize that, oh, I'm living in extreme world?
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely is extreme and getting to like my relationship because if I'm teaching, you know, to do it, uh, although, you know, I had a point where I was teaching a little bit of the extremism, you know we all evolve and you know sometimes it's hard you know hard to say like I used to say the whole don't eat fruit too because that's what I learned from bodybuilding style stuff I think a lot of the dieting myths and things and dieting history come from the old school bodybuilding or you know any of the diets back from the 90s to cut this cut that um and so forth um, so yeah, definitely with my relationship changing and towards the end, I was feeling like, wow, this is extreme. I need to improve my relationship and, and I wanted to feel better. I was like, I shouldn't feel like this. You know, it was, it was time for a change. It kind of just like, no, kind of like with our clients, um, or with clients, um, uh, that come with dieting, been dieting for years and years and years. You know, they have all these rules and these hang-ups that they learn, and if and they starting to feel this like I can't live like this. Man. I can't. I have no energy, and I can't go. I'm neurotic around food. I can't go out to eat without. You know, it comes a change, and it's hard for a lot of women to get out of that dieting mindset. So I do a lot of that work still, even with a client that's ready to move into. You know, eating more food and training, it's like, you know, you still get questions like, but is it, but is it really okay to eat carbs after a certain time or things of that nature? So,
0: yeah, great. Okay, cool. So, so how, I'm really excited because we're going to be talking about one of the things that I really love about your work and I've been following your work now for a while. I mean, I can't believe it's been so long since we first met. It's like, been- I know. I really love about your work. And honestly, it was you that really helped me kind of get okay with talking about fat loss because I feel like, and I've talked about this in podcasts, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: huge pull in the industry right now to kind of associate working on fat loss with self-esteem loss. And that if you're teaching fat loss, then it means that you are trying to fit this diet culture, which is actually the opposite of what we do. Mm -hmm. actually pursue fat loss, but not, you know, but still maintain and increase your self-esteem. In fact, you need it in order to work on fat loss. So I'm really curious about how you've been able to help your clients go from this diet mentality of like constantly chasing fat loss, chasing diets and how you, how your, what's your approach on getting them in on board with this is how you really do fat loss.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, well, one, you, I, I uh, express and iterate, through, iterate the fact that, one, with my clients, that it does not have to be so low, your calories. You've been I know you've been there. The fat loss, the way we approach it, the way you used to approach it, and the way a lot of people approach it is, again, in the extremism. It doesn't have to be that extreme. And then just educating my clients on, you know, you've done so many diets. Sometimes you don't even know what a carb from a fat it is and a protein. I think a lot of time with the knowledge and awareness. And I take a habit-based, habit-based approach and a macro-based approach, more flexible nutrition, flexible people know as flexible diet and flexible eating, um, because flexible into a macros as a necessary diet. We're eating macros whether we're um, tracking them or not. And mm-hmm. if you understand what you're eating, not even it don't even have to be if you have if you have issues, a lot of women, you know, have done macro coaching, macro dieting and may have done it extremism in an extreme way, right? Mm-hmm. But I like to get them and show them that no, you can this is the way. This is how you eat food. Um it doesn't have to again on these low numbers, what is your protein sources? Where is your um, protein on your plate? Where's your carbohydrates? Where's your veggies? And also that mindset is huge. Switching from, you know, I got to follow this this long list of, or this, this meal plan, or I got to follow this low carb thing. But you following all this stuff when you feel like crap. So it's like just getting to the client and approaching the fat loss in a more, sustaining way a more way where it can fit into their lifestyle and not the other way around
0: mm, so you do have them like track calories and or track macros. sometimes
1: yeah it depends on the client mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or habit-based approach um my background also is in uh, precision with precision nutrition yeah i could say hey, even if we don't track them we still need to know what a portion is for ourselves what do i need for protein, how many you know portions should I have a day if we're going that right? Or also, you know, take the approach. Let's look at um is that plate balanced? Mm-hmm. You know, a, a lot of women are still shy of um, carbohydrates. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're training, and you're doing all these these classes, or <laughs> you're going to do your own workout, or you you're running, and you're not fueled, and you wonder why you feel like poo. <laughs> from yeah. day to day in the gym and in your life when you you know when you're just doing things you know your regular daily activities and it all ties back and stems back to always still even if you're not consciously or intentionally chasing fat loss or weight loss sometimes you're actually doing it and you don't even know it because of your habits from past so mm-hmm. eating like i always say i probably in my um literature i always say eating like a bird um a lot of women are doing that consciously and not consciously.
0: Yeah. I also think too, it's an important thing to note that I think a lot of trainers miss is that we're in this world hundred percent of the time and that it's so easy for us to just assume that everyone knows what a carbohydrate is or that everyone knows what a pro that, you know, what a protein is and and a fat and that they all, they automatically, you know, just know it. And that's because we're we're immersed in it all the time, not recognizing that people still are very conflicted and confused about what a carbohydrate is. And I think they're also they're also, you know, confused and conflicted about the nutritional benefits of, you know, fruit, because they're just so, you know, things like fruit, things like potatoes. Yes. Inundated <laughs> with diet culture telling them that this is gonna do something to them that they don't want.
1: Yep. Yep. That's exactly what it is. Um, myself for a while, I didn't eat fruit or potatoes. I love white potatoes, and white potatoes is the most satiating carbohydrate. And I didn't eat them for years, mm-hmm. years. You know, Me <laughs> I'm like, where's these been all my life? You know, I used to survive just on a grapefruit training in the mm-hmm. morning at five o'clock in the morning. Like, how healthy is that? And women are, you know, we're up. Like you said, we're up against that. We're where um, we have to, it's come down to, like I think yesterday I was talking in my stories about exposure, learning, pulling these foods back in. That's one way in which I help clients, my clients, my strong sisters, um, let's reintroduce these foods that you have put on this ban list. Let's show you that it is not that particular, um, that item causing you to gain all this weight or whatever. Or change your fitness or whatnot. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I answered. It was a lot in there.
0: <laughs> you did you did you know? I also can we we talk a little bit about you know we talked a lot about food and I'm curious how how have you got your clients to lift like your women clients specifically because yeah, I yeah. Don't run into women who feel are scared about getting bulky. When, what have you done to help clients start to see that? Bulk A is subjective, and B that it's a very you know like we were talking about with body comp competition is yes. an athletic pursuit in terms of its you know discipline and training requirements.
1: Hmm. Um. Well, one one way is that I have been getting women that are what I have to fight is the cardio circuits with strength. They're using some weight,
0: <laughs> uh.
1: but. They are not um, training in a way to elicit like gain strength or maintain their muscle or even build it. So again, it's just the education around it. And sometimes I'll even get and and, and teach and show them and even get down and sh- you know, show them different women. This is what happens. You're genetically going to only gain as much muscle <laughs> as your body, your genetics allow. Mm-hmm. And in the pursuit of if you want more muscle, well, you want to have to eat more food, and that still you won't um, get bulky. I mean, that's subjective. I see nothing wrong with bulk. I love muscle, <laughs> and I think the power behind it in the education around why we as women, even if you don't want, you know muscles to show or whatever the power of lifting goes beyond that for our bones our hormones our skeletal system you know everything our tendons our ligaments injury prevention um you know it's like we're investing in our in our in our future and I always say, what's to say to my clients, if you were to get too much muscle, you can back off the training, the volume you're doing, you know, you saying one thing, this is how you want to look, but cardio is not making that happen. Mm-hmm. Weight training is going to make that athletic look, the tone look, cringy word, but that's what our people say, tone, but you have to have muscle to be toned, you know? Yeah, you you, you get bulky, we can back off the training, we can cut mm-hmm. your volume back, but you know what, it takes years and years and years. I think women don't they picture body women like bodybuilding, mm-hmm. and they think that is. And then the media, the marketing, mm-hmm. all that around it has created this thing that makes it hard for us and our clients <laughs> to invest in it. But once they do, and they see how strong they are, and they can do push-ups, it was like, why haven't I been doing this all my life? <laughs> mm-hmm. You know. But I think mean, we got to come from somewhere. We have to learn and grow. And then when you hit that aha moment, um, when you get consistent with training, sprinkling the cardio. I'm not saying not to do the cardio, but if you want that tight, you know, fit, athletic look, it falls with weight training.
0: Mm -hmm. And okay. So you brought up this point and I definitely want to expand upon it, which is that so many of our clients, and I think some of us too, like we could get some clarity around, you know, these cardio circuits where these clients think that they're weight training because they're using weight. So how the difference between, you know, where does that go in a program? Like if someone, if client was coming, you and was saying like, "Hey, I want to work on, I want to work on losing fat and and building muscle, right? A, can that possibly happen at the same time? And B, where do those cardio circuits live? How do you know that that's happening?" Um. Well, one with the, um, we'll start with, can you do
1: both? If you're a newbie, or if you come off of a long hiatus, most of the time you can do both. But most of the time when you're doing fat loss and you're achieving fat loss, you should be strength training because you want to keep as much muscle as possible in your, when you're in a deficit and you want to um, be eating as much calories as you can while in a deficit while still losing, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So you don't want that whole cutting your food so low, you know, I see women do it all the time. They've been eating, you know, two, 3,000 calories and they cut it all the way down to 1,200. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I don't know where that somehow became this magical number, but everyone thinks 1,200 is like.
1: <laughs> yeah, and so I don't, yeah, it's crazy, right? Um, so instead of doing that, sometimes, you know, it can. I always also try to get clients to, let's eat at maintenance for a while. So let's find, see where your maintenance falls in and wait train and watch what happens. You start to get stronger. You start to see muscle definition. So we're having a little bit of body recon where you are, like you said, dropping a little fat and building the muscle or at least maintaining it. And then when you with the, <laughs> the circuits, I'll enjoy them. They have a time and a place. But I like to structure your programming as well. As put your big lifts first. Then we'll give you a little circuit at the end or a finisher.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, or you are short on time in the gym, and he's like, "I need a quicker workout." Then we can apply um, a a circuit. Um, it, I think a lot of women, once they see, "Oh, dang, I could do um, my goblet squats with a forty-pound kettle uh, kettlebell or a dumbbell for eight reps," but if I'm doing that in a circuit, I'm not going to be able to do forty pounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. In 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 my circuit, I have to do like fifteen reps. High reps don't always and little weight don't always give you <laughs> your best bang for your buck. Yes, you're you're hitting weights and you're hitting getting the cardio piece, but you're breathless and sweaty and haven't gave the body time to recover to lift the heavier weights, mm-hmm. um, challenging weights. So, um, sprinkling in that. Go ahead.
0: No, I was going to say that I think that's a good approach in the sense that you can give them your client. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. you know it's kind of like to com- to me i compare it to my kids which is that like my kids give <laughs> them the option they would probably eat candy for dinner all the time you know and, and then stop asking for it when they when they feel bad right i mean yep. i all the time with my children so i will give them dessert with dinner sometimes and they can decide what they want and oftentimes they'll pick the food that makes them feel right isn't candy, right? But the point is that you have to give them a little bit of what they want and a little bit yeah. of what they need. Yep, yeah.
1: yeah, absolutely.
0: They're going to feel bad all the time. And so I think mm-hmm. trainer, and I know this was true for me, that it was sometimes hard to create buy-in for my clients to get them to want to do the eight reps and want yeah. to do the same thing over and over again because they'd get bored. Yep, yeah. yep. Yeah. And so... <laughs> it would be, e- it was easy to just be like, okay, I'm going to make them, you know, sweat. I'm going yep. to move and then they like it, but then they weren't getting the results that they wanted.
1: Yes. Yep.
0: So it can be a hard balance to find.
1: Absolutely. That. Yeah, it really can. And um yeah, because it, 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 they've been doing it so long. They've been doing that way mm-hmm. for so it's like you kind of like sprinkle it up there comes and this is when once they see that getting stronger actually being fit because just because you're doing those circuits you know you got a little bit i'm not saying you won't get any results from that but if you doing a different circuit and always sweating not resting being random i always say random does not equal the results. Random workouts do not equal the results that you want. Now, I say also tell my client people, not just in my clients, but in general, I'm talking to women. If that's what you want, by all means, go for it. You just want to go in the gym and you can be consistent in that, but I'm getting women that want the results. They want to look stronger. They want to be fitter. They want to do um, push-ups, pull-ups, squat their weight, deadlift, you know, their weight this is what it takes so i got yeah yeah sometimes it is a little bit hard to buy them in but <laughs> what
0: you're doing over here ain't
1: working for what you say you want
0: yeah but results speak, right? Yeah. When you start, right when you start getting results yes well listen mm-hmm. they do <laughs> um what would you say um how have, well, let me, let me rephrase that question. How have you been managing all of the gym shutdowns that have been going on across the world, right? How have you been able to, to adjust your programming for your clients so that they, you know, continue to see results that they don't have access to their gyms?
1: Yeah. Um, well, when we first started, it was just more getting people transitioned into working from working out at, at home. Um, I do provide, um, so getting that idea before I jump into the next part, getting, buying into that you can still, and I talk about this often too in my in my um, content and stuff, is that we just have to adapt. Mm-hmm. We have to adjust and I'll work with what my client has. So we may, you know not be able to do our big lifts as much, because we only have dumbbells. But I'm going to still incorporate that style of training. You know, if we can't do a, a barbell deadlift, we're going to still do some type of deadlift. You know, kettlebell deadlift, a Romanian deadlift, single leg deadlift, that type of thing. So just adjusting to that and getting them to see that it's OK. You can still keep some level of fitness and not be starting from zero once the gyms open back up. Mm-hmm. Um, so, a couple of my clients right now have in home gyms and um pretty substantial amount. And then I have some that just have, you know, dumbbells and whatnot and kettlebells. And myself um, here, I'm um, a full time RVer. I didn't mention that at the beginning about myself. So,
0: yeah. So, I want to, yeah. to hear about that too. But okay. Um, <laughs> so, um, I have
1: my equipment for myself um, here um, in my RV. I got several kettlebells, dumbbells, TRX. Things that can still keep me, you know, in my fitness, enjoying lifting. Um, So, yeah.
0: (laughs) Do you you carry a barbell in your RV? We don't, but we just bought one (laughs) because
1: we're heading towards um, Michigan. And right now I have a gym here and I'm in Alabama at the moment. We've been here for several months since the whole Rona happened situation. (laughs) Um, And there's a gym open here. So I've been able to go to the gym, but I think when I go to Michigan, they're still kind of on the lockdown and not many gyms are open. And so um, we are all set. Like since we hit the road three years ago, we've always had some type of equipment with us.
0: I have to share, you know, this is kind of a sidebar, but our gym is shut down. Our gym in New York has not opened up yet and it's been taxing for me in my mental energy. Like I have stuff and I train, my programs are at home programs, but Mm -hmm. something that I think trainers, and I'm just going to say this as an important side note, is that you are not your client. So while I'm creating, you know, while I'm having my client buy into at home program, they're going from zero. Like they're going from sitting on the couch to moving their body. That's just- Mm -hmm best for me I love the gym and I'm missing yep. it's been hard yeah. it's been a harder transition for me
1: yeah yeah for sure um I and yeah I get that totally um I, it was a uh, let's see uh pretty flexible transition for me because of this whole the lifestyle that we're doing so sometimes we don't have as much access but I do love the gym just like you and in some days I'm like oh, am tired of these whole workouts and that's normal
0: go through that too
1: they do they do they do they do so I was so happy with one of my clients that don't have like a full like garage gym or whatever that the gyms where she's at have opened back up so you can get back in there Um, because you you are limited to a point you know with what you can do at home Um, and if you're serious about your training you don't have that stuff you definitely want a gym so you can get in there and do do your thing you know mm-hmm.
0: so so one of the things too that you were saying that you were talking about is you were saying we can't have fat loss goals 365 days of the year <laughs> yes and so how in your training programs and with your clients and i know that it's been you know it's in education but when you're programming like do you do your your cycles in 90 days like how do you program out your cycles mm-hmm. Of, in terms of getting them being like okay this this is what we're focusing on this is what we're focusing on like yeah how, how do you structure your programming in that sense
1: um well yeah when it comes to, yeah 365 days a year um I like to say instead of you know a lot of our women come to us with this goal weight
0: mm-hmm.
1: and sometimes when we do this go weight we keep driving like what else can I take out or you know, if I hit this plateau, what more can I do or take away or how much of fitness, how much food can I take away? So instead of looking at this long, you know, it's breaking break it down in increments. I also like to just let's, let's be in a fat loss deficit for either anywhere from 8 to 12 weeks and then segue into a break, a maintenance break, um, and then repeat the cycle until you know you're this is where i'm at this is what i like yeah in a way although it's always
0: i put arrive in quotations because it's people yeah, yeah. Right? you have to love this process outcomes are fleeting moments you're it's this right. is about arriving this is about you know yeah you can live and sustain it
1: yes yep so if you are in the, the you want to be stronger and fitter and drop body fat think the best approach is um when I talked about this on my last blog post is taking a break and getting women into that mindset that you cannot be under I mean not necessarily under eating but in a deficit all the time the fatigue comes up um you, you know hunger your hunger raises your fullness <laughs> not existent sometimes depending on you know, how your deficit is set up, you know, these things are happening. The psychological things and the physiological things are starting to come up. So why keep standing at the push it? And this is why we get in that yo-yo cycle because one, you probably set up your deficit really low mm-hmm. and then you can make it for a couple of weeks. It's not if it's when, when it's, when you're being extreme, um, And then you, I'm gonna start again, and you go and you you overeat, you binge or what have you. I know not saying people have binge eating disorder, disorder, but we all, if we under eat, we're all going to at some point, go into overeating or bingeing on food, Um, however that, you know. Um, So then you start over again, that yo-yo. I'm, oh, this didn't work, so I'm gonna do this and whatnot. But so when I, my clients, I prefer, you know, to not let's not be or what I talk about all the time is let's not always be eating under our, you know, our maintenance all the time. Let's eat a little bit more food and feel great in the gym and lift. And if we still wanted to approach some more fat loss, let's reset the cycle. So then again, that whole eating food, eating more food while cutting is the better thing. Mm -hmm. So instead of every time you go slash your calories six, a thousand off, we can get progress with your deficit by taking off 250 calories from where your maintenance was. But if you never have worked up to higher calories, you won't ever do that. You will always, every time you approach doing a cut, I like to say, instead of, you know, weight loss or whatever, dropping body fat, um it will come off easier because you're not always in a deficit that's what i think a lot of people don't get every time you approach a diet you mess with your metabolism if the metabolism's is not running fast when you're in a deficit ladies it's not
0: yeah it slows It people people don't realize that your body is super smart and it is, yes it will adapt we're always yes. fighting to get homeostasis always yes shut down in the body in order to get there
1: yeah that's the purpose of having doing like a maintenance phase and and breaks deficit break diet breaks
0: whatever you want to call it um in those fat loss phases do you think that you have to work up to that meaning like do you think it has to be a transitional a transitional experience like a periodized experience from going from a cut to say maintenance meaning like Do it slowly?
1: Yeah, well, like if you do say, I'm gonna do my deficit for 12 weeks, right? Mm -hmm. Um, At that end, whatever amount of body fat you dropped or whatever weight has changed to, when we'll start with that and see what your, adjust your calories so it can be
0: at a maintenance level. Okay, so so Um, would you like just do it overnight? Like, would you say, okay, great, you're at a deficit tomorrow? No, n-
1: not necessarily. Depend on the client. You can't rip the bandaid off and do it, or you can incrementally raise the calories up to that, which will minimize um, some uh, body fat gain.
0: Got it.
1: So yeah, and then if you do rip the bandaid off and go right back to it, um, it's usually just water weight, which women, you know, with the scale, how we are. or some of us are still with the scale. We don't understand that the body is weighing <laughs> I always use the example, the entire being muscle, your hair, your limbs, everything is being weighed. We use it as one data point or we, we don't, if you really don't have a um, sound relationship with it. Um, but um, yeah, yep, so you can go either that route, slowly work back up to it, or you can work rep- Say hey, I'm ready to eat more food right now. Let's do this.
0: Yeah. Okay. Great. Well, I definitely want to be mindful of your time. This has been so awesome. Thank you for hanging oh, out with me today. Yeah. yeah for Where sure. people find you?
1: They can find me. I hang out the most on Instagram as Beauty of Strength, and then um, Facebook. I'm over there sometimes, <laughs> but I think the party is happening on Instagram. I and mean, my website is uh, CandiceRSmith.com and um, that's the places I hang out
0: okay great so I will definitely link all of that up in the show and then I'm going to leave you with one last question because okay. it's on and I'm so curious what caused you to go into the RV life and what has that been like
1: oh wow well I love traveling and before we started this um we were always going visiting family, you know, just flying or driving and various things. And it was just something always in the back of our head. Like, it would be fun to like visit the state parks, be able to work where- from wherever. Um, both me and my husband, uh, we were both remote. My stepchildren are grown. It was easy to transition. Uh, we were actually at the time um, renting a house and we almost was getting ready to buy a house and this RV thing popped up. It was like, we've been wanting to travel and kind of live where we're parking, home is where we park it thing. Um, so let's not, uh, let's not, let's back off the house buying and finish out our lease. Sell everything, <laughs> put what we um, want to keep in storage. Just what's in storage? My gym, <laughs> my garage gym because before <laughs> I transition fully um, onto online, doing online training, um, nutrition coach strength and nutrition coaching um i was still training a person but i was not in a gym no more i had my own space in my garage um mm-hmm. had converted the garage to a gym so we put um sold a few pieces of equipment and put everything we put everything else in storage
0: are they still so, in storage yeah
1: yep uh-huh. yeah are,
0: are you tending to do the rv life forever
1: no i don't think forever um maybe a few more years but we just we really have liked being able to pick up and go um although a lot of people see it as glamorous it's still like we're not like you know when you pull in a park you see most people are here just for vacation or a weekend thing we we still just our house is on wheels oh we have the opportunity to go you know all around the country um it's very interesting if you want to know more about like um the rv life we do my husband and i do have a um, youtube channel and an instagram um and that's tripping with the smiths and um, on oh. facebook and on instagram so um yeah it's a very interesting lifestyle um it is not the american traditional way but um
0: <laughs> but i mean right now what is no one's really right you know no, no. Where's your favorite spot?
1: So far, since when we hit, we were um, traveling more often. Rona has slowed that down. But our mm-hmm. first year and a half, we did a lot of national parks. And Zion was my favorite in Utah. I like Utah. I like like the coast area, Oregon, that area, um, which hopefully we'll get back to um, hopefully in the new year around that time.
0: Cool. That's so cool. All right, Candy. Thanks so much for hanging out with me today. I really appreciate it. And we'll catch you next time. All right. Thank you for having me.